What's up, gentlemen? You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. Welcome back. This is an interview with Mr. Chris Dreisbach. He's a musician, a former atheist, and he's got an awesome story to share. I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, before we get into the episode, though, make sure you are getting on to the interwebs and sharing this thing with the people you know, people you love, people you know need to be hearing from us, uh, need to be hearing the Gird Up Podcast. So um, we want people to be men. We want men to be men, and we want other people to to, to hear our message and we want to share it with them. So make sure you're getting on there, uh, sharing it too. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but do that after you listen to this awesome episode of the Gird Up Podcast with Mr. Chris Dreisbach. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Ungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back again with Mr. Chris Dreisbach. Now, last time we had Chris on, uh, last week we talked a little bit about uh, your story and uh, talked a little bit about uh, your childhood and coming into faith, talked about how you tour uh, and uh, driving around the country and you know, sometimes a van, sometimes an RV, uh, singing Jesus' praises. Um, but you said you're, are you still based out of New Orleans technically, or are you based out of Huntsville? Uh, so based out of Huntsville, um, cool story talking about uh, you, you, you kind of got going on the uh, the Christian music side of things after Hurricane Katrina. It's on a thank you tour, essentially, uh, the support people gave your church. Um, let's talk about it. So you, 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 you said, as a kid, um, really rough home life, uh, really rough growing up, alcoholism from a y- very young age, uh, playing music in bars, not always music you necessarily pride you played, maybe sounds like, is that a good way to say it? Uh, say that again? The- so not, the music you play, not always proud that you played the music you played, maybe? Oh, I, 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 was, I was a serious entertainer. Yeah, okay. I, I enjoyed what I was doing. All right. I wasn't a believer then, so you know. Okay. A lot of the questionable stuff that I said and did was not a problem. I suppose. You know. I suppose. All right. Um, So then you got clean, um, got dry, got dry, sober, stop drinking, stop drinking, (laughs) stop drugging, stop drinking. Nineteen eighty-six. And uh, but we were still playing in bars. Still didn't know the Lord, but you had some vague idea of a deity out there. Right. So let's pick up right there. Yeah. What happens well, next? You know, it was great to get sober. It changed my life totally. Um, and uh, yeah, I, you know, I started working on trying to get a relationship back with my ex-wife and kids and stuff, and that proceeded pretty slowly. Um, so were you kind of estranged at that point? Or? Somewhat, okay. yeah. I, I was able to, you know, I, I, I was able to keep making pretty good money, so I was, you know, I was able to continue with support, you know, to her and the children, which is good. But, uh, you know, they didn't want all that much to do with me. 
And there was kind of a break in the early 90s uh, when things were, it, it just it just went, you know, hot and cold. You can imagine, you know, oh, yeah. somebody who's been kind of a terrible drunk in your life and, and then you get sober and you don't trust them right away. You know, you don't, uh, you aren't sure what you're really dealing with anymore. Yeah. Understandable, you know. But uh, yeah, my, my life improved quite a bit, you know, and I, I didn't die, which I was gonna. I was not gonna make it out of my 30s. That bottle of whiskey a day thing was gonna kill me. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't die, you know, I, I got to live and uh, started to grow up a little bit, you know. I, I still, I like to think about this, it's true. I'm developmentally retarded, uh, challenged, shall we say. You know, I'm really not my chronological age because when I was 33, I was developmentally about 12 or 13 because <laughs> that's when I started drinking was I was 13. Okay. And uh, I uh, really didn't grow. And so, you know, I, I have, well, like my pastor in Huntsville is, I think, 52, and I hang out with him. And I'm, you know, 14 years older than he is, and it feels like I'm hanging out with my dad, you know, because <laughs> he's just so much more grown up and mature than I am. And uh, I, uh, it doesn't make any sense to me that I'm 65. I don't understand it. I, I don't relate. But I'm not my chronicle age, chronological age. You know, that's that's just part of part of the part of my experience as a recovering alcoholic. You know, but yeah, life got better. Uh, however. Um, Kind of about eight years into my sobriety, I started to, you know, feel bad about, you know, my, my career really, it got better, but not good. I had blown a lot of wonderful opportunities uh, in my youth. Uh, I had an opportunity to be on Johnny Carson. You may not be old oh, enough to wow. remember him. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, I drank that away. Uh, I, I opened uh, musically for a couple of big names uh, Merle Haggard one time and uh, that didn't turn into anything because you know I'm, I was drunk and uh, so you know I'm sober but my my performance career is not doing what I thought it should I, I just had kind of a crappy relationship with my children and uh, my ex-wife who I still loved and uh, you know I started to feel like a loser I felt like I'd blown it. I had made a ton of money in those years, you know, before I got sober, and it was all gone. Uh, I could have, you know, I felt bad about the fact that my kids are having to take out college loans. It didn't make any sense, uh, except that Dad's a very selfish man, you know, because I blew it all on myself. But there was, there was hundreds of thousand dollars that were just gone, yeah. Because, so I felt like a loser, and I was, I was starting to just hate myself really I started having secret thoughts of suicide I was still playing in bars and all that but I was up in Alaska and I just happened to be living next door temporarily in early 95 to one of our one of our churches and schools up there you can say what you want to but I see the hand of God in the fact that I'm living <laughs> next door to a Wells church uh, and the pastor is a guy about my age his name's Jim Oldfield uh, uh, he was my neighbor we made friends you know and have me over sometimes for coffee and conversation and stuff. And uh, one morning, I thought I'd start an argument with him about religion. I, <laughs> I was a debater in high school. I was a pretty good one. And I just thought, uh, you know, something to do, argue about stuff, you know. So <clears throat> I knew he was, you know, extremely what I thought of as religious. And so I don't know what I said to him, something provocative, you know. And he just looked at me and he said, uh, he said, man, you know, I'm starting a class for guys like you on Tuesday night, you know. 
And, you know, I was playing music six nights a week. I was not available. And honestly, the idea of going to a class in a church just didn't sound good to me. I said, no, thanks. He said, well, he says, since you work nights, I think you and I should get together right here in my office once a week, say Wednesday afternoons, and you can keep up with the class. And when he said that, it kind of appealed to me because I really liked him. And I didn't have a lot of close friends in those days. And and I wanted to know him better. Yeah. And, you know, he made good coffee and, I, you know. <laughs> And I'd have them all to myself to argue with. I remember thinking, I mean, this makes me blush when I think of it, but I really thought maybe I'd change his mind about a few things. Can you imagine? <laughs> that is funny, <laughs> especially if you knew Jim Oldfield. I mean, <laughs> his dad was a prof at uh, MLC, DMLC. He was a high school teacher at DMLC back when there was a high school there. And uh, so anyway, no, I wasn't going to change Jim's mind about anything. And I did. I called him Jim in those days. You know, I, I didn't. Yeah, well, no reason to give him the respect of his, of no. his office if you don't respect the office. I didn't, and I didn't. So Jim and I started meeting on Wednesday afternoons, pretty much because I wanted to argue with him. <laughs> and uh, he would never argue with me. I'd, I'd try to provoke him. I really would, you know. I'd start tell, explaining why evolution only made sense, and, you know, you don't want to believe all these fairy tales about you know, God swooping in and, you know, doing magic and everything. And uh, all he ever did was read to me out of the Bible, which, of course, is... That's got to be infuriating. <laughs> well, I, I was, you know, he didn't just read out of the Bible. Okay. He, he explained things. You know? I was imagining just like, oh, okay, page here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you think about this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he, he created this whole world of... The Christian world, the Christian worldview, he was building it in front of me. And I was kind of fascinated. Like, I knew he was very intelligent, highly educated. You know, a pastor in our church body has the equivalent of a PhD in education, and they're smart guys. They yeah. really are. And I knew he was smart. And I just couldn't really believe that this smart, intelligent, highly educated man really believed the stuff he was telling me. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure that he really did. I thought he was just, you know, you know, doing paying lip service to the <laughs> the company you work for, you know, right, something like yeah. that, you know. So I listened carefully and I, and, but I did, you know, I, I just thought, why does he keep reading to me out of the Bible? It's just this old book, you know, it's, uh, I thought of it. Have you ever read uh, Bullfinch's mythology? No, I haven't. It's about the Norse mythology and that's where you learn about Thor and Odin and Loki and all that <laughs> stuff. So I just thought the Bible was, you know, about Hebrew mythology. That's what I thought it was. Huh. You know, I thought you it's know, logical. Well, you believe this stuff, you know. I mean, it's just you know, it's just stories, you know. But that's what he was. He read to me out of the Bible a lot, and he never ever argued with me. He was always so patient and loving and kind. It was, it was, it was mind blowing, really. I just couldn't believe why he would keep doing this and why he really cared, you know. And uh, anyway, I always like to say, you know, that Bible reading thing is a trick. <laughs> you know, it's a trick. Because the Holy Spirit works through the Word, He was just letting the Spirit argue with me. You yeah, know? and uh, and I'm glad. I like he did the way that. you put that. Yeah, it's a trick. You know, pastors do it all the time. You do it in your classes. Oh yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Holy Spirit gets involved, and that's where the power is. You know, God's the the power of God is in His Word, and I didn't know that. And, uh, <laughs> but I mean, six weeks into the process, I am pretty engrossed in this worldview He's creating, not buying it at all but just kind of amazed at this whole structure that he's building and describing to me. And I don't know, all of a sudden I just looked at him. I said, Jim, this stuff's true, isn't it? 
It's just all real. Jesus is real, you know. He he was a real man. I thought he was I thought he was like Thor, the guy with the hammer, you know. He's real. Real man. He was man, he was God. And I knew see, I was able to make a good confession at that point because he taught me well. I just knew it was true. I said, Jesus lived and died. He walked on the earth and he kept God's law perfectly. He really did not even think bad thoughts, Charlie. You know. Really. He was perfect. Yeah. He kept the law. And then you know, and God graciously accepted his perfect life. If one man kept the law, then all men have kept the law according to God. And, you know, so God basically accepted his perfect life in place of my rotten one. Yeah. And then then he went to the cross to take, uh, you know, the punishment that I can't, I could never, I could never take it. I, you know, who could? Yeah. How could I ever pay the price for, you know, my sins? You know, but Jesus did it. Anyway. uh, So, you know, and, and he died and he suffered and he died and then God raised him on third day. And this is, I, I wasn't doing that good of a confession, but I basically said the, the basics. I said, and God raised him on the third day, and that means I'm going to heaven when I die. Right, Jim? <laughs> and he said, right, you know. Man, what an amazing day that was, you know. My mind was blown. I mean, I, I, everything I'd ever thought was true had to be called into question because here's this new truth, you know, the Bible's yeah. true. And... Uh, I, I remember asking him this question, and he really understood it, you know, because I was bum fuzzled, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I just didn't know. And and I said, Jim, what do I do now? And he understood that question, you know. He said, Your mission now is to live a life that reflects your gratitude for the awesome gift you've been given. I mean, isn't that perfect? Yeah. You know. And I've, I've never forgotten that. And I mean, you don't earn it. It's given. It's yours. All you do is, is show your gratitude with your life, you know? What a, what a crazy, wonderful way to live Yeah. after that. And, uh, and of course, he also explained that I had not decided to believe. I, I, I didn't get that right away, you know? He, he yeah. said, God has put the faith in your heart. That's really important. I praise and thank God that our church body is bold enough to teach that that biblical truth that we don't bring ourselves to faith you know and he taught that to me and i got it yeah it's important yeah Yeah. well and i it's the idea of like if he's already in the house sitting on the couch why do you have to go back out there and invite him in (laughs) (laughs) he's already in the living room yeah why you gotta go back out to the door well and it makes people feel responsible for their faith and that's a terrible burden on the human spirit yeah it's just wrong absolutely well and that's uh actually so Again, by the time this airs, it'll be like two weeks ago, the, the Saturday morning co- podcast that I put out actually talks about that a little bit. And it'll, like it, the idea that uh, when you're in the desert dying of thirst, you're not going to sit down and like measure the purity of your water and see if there's the right oh, minerals no. in it. Oh, no. You're going to get on your hands and knees and you're going to drink it in mud and all. Yeah. Right. I mean, the horse might have peed in there and you're still exactly. going to drink it. You're going to drink it because it's lifeblood. You got to have it. And, and yeah. that's the way, that's the way and when someone is coming to faith, that's what church is and can be. It's, it's life. Yeah. But when you now have transitioned into faith, when you are a believer and you read your, you're reading your Bible, you're being fed. Now you got to start worrying about that 
the purity of that water. Because even if it's just got a tiny little bit of poison in it, it's not going to hurt you today. It's not going to hurt you tomorrow. But in the long run, drinking a little bit of poison every day for the rest of your life is going to kill you. And uh, that's, that's the way I like to, to, to talk about you know, my church and why I, I care about my church and why I love my church so much is I know that the, there's no poison in the water. Now, there isn't anything there that's going to slowly kill me. There's nothing there besides the gospel truth. And there's definitely things for anyone and everyone, because we live in an imperfect world and we attend an imperfect church, there's going to be some things that make you scratch your head. There's going to be some things that make you say, I don't know if that's exactly right. There's always going to be something, right? You're never going to find the perfect church. But if you can, if you can, you know, read your, your articles of confession or whatever you might call it and say, this is from scripture. If you can, if you hear what pastor's saying on Sunday morning and say, this is what it says in my Bible when I'm reading it every day of the week, you find a place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a wonderful way to put it. The being slowly poisoned, um, you know, that's that's what is scary about churches that don't preach the whole truth. Yeah, yeah, you know. I, like you said, it's a burden on your shoulders when you start that with that little, yeah. with that little drop of, you know. Well, I had to invite Jesus in. What else do I need to do? Yeah, well said. And yeah. that's that's a dangerous path to walk down. There you go. All right. So you come to so where in Alaska was this? Anchorage. Anchorage. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so I've I've been to the churches in Anchorage, Kenai, and Wasilla. Um, Me too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you have. There's not a whole lot of them around. Yeah. Um, do we? Is there a church in Flagstaff? Do we have a church in Flagstaff? Yes. Yes. That's uh, up there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now you're talking about Fairbanks, aren't you? Or Fairbanks? Flagstaff yeah. That is Flagstaff Arizona. is Arizona. Yeah. I'm yeah. at Fairbanks. Yeah. Fairbanks. Yeah. We do used to be called Sindalos. Used to be called Sindalos. What does that mean? It's uh, probably related to the word synod, uh, you know, walking together or whatever. Okay. Greek word, obviously, but they changed it. I think they're called, uh, you know, one of those new names like Living Water. Or, <laughs> yeah. Good name. Good name. They just changed the church in uh, uh, Mequon to Christ Alone, which is awesome. Christ. You know? Oh, that is a good name. They changed the church name to Christ Alone. It used to be Calvary. Calvary. Or Mount Calvary. I'm not sure yeah. which, but. That's that's a great name. There's I mean, just so many like St. Paul's and St. John's and yeah. St. Peter's. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's something special about being like this is that's what so Saloa, there is the there's only one church in the world named Saloa Lutheran Church. Yep. And it is my church. And I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah that yeah. Sindolo's church in Fairbanks, which is now called something else, is I believe the most the northernmost Lutheran church. Possibly in the world, I think so. Cool. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot. It's not really that big of a couch because there's really nothing past that. But yeah. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's <laughs> what just make a stupid joke. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, so um, you came to faith in Anchorage. How did you end up down south? Well, uh, I was still a traveling musician. Okay. And uh, I. I played I played music in Alaska professionally uh, six seven months a year, ninety five ninety six ninety seven and ninety eight. But the other months I traveled, and I learned to either find the church in my local area and attend there, 
Or I did this thing they had called, what they call it? They called it a convener. It was a way, you know, it was before the internet does what it does, did what it does. But back then you're on the phone and, uh, you know, worshiping on a speakerphone. Oh. I mean, they, 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 one of the churches that did that sent me a little bag of wafers and a little <laughs> cup, you know, and I could, I could take communion with them <laughs> over the phone, do Bible study over the phone, you know. But anyway, I did that and I traveled a lot. Um, when I got out of performing in bars in 2000, I had a, I had a friend in Huntsville, Alabama with a business and he gave me a job there. And so I moved to Huntsville and I worked for him for about nine months. And then I met the thriving guy who was of course at that time, the AAL guy. And he, uh, got me hooked up with his boss and I ended up getting a job in New Orleans where I started, oh, October, 2000, something like that. Is that what you asked me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and how you ended up down south. Yeah, that's it. So what were you doing for Thrivent? Uh, well, uh, they, as you know, have a variety of financial products, and I was a salesperson. Okay. I eventually, since I wasn't all that good at sales, I eventually became a teacher. Um, I, I taught people who were good at sales how to sell. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it myself. <laughs> that's funny isn't it what is it the, those who can't do teach or whatever well i was i wasn't gonna say that because you're a teacher you know so well it's not true for teachers it's true for everybody else <laughs> there are some teachers who are like that though. yeah there yeah. are some teachers not you though like well teach. if it's first and second grade you ought to be you ought to be able to do what you're teaching <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um so uh i forgot where i was gonna go next I don't know. But you know, we talked about how you met your wife um, and right. made that transition. Right. Um, so how has your life changed since you came to faith? Well, how, how does Chris's life look different now than it did then? Oh, gee. Uh, you know, it's, that's a good question. It's, uh, you know, there's that old saying, like, if, if you were accused of being a Christian, would be there be enough evidence to convict, you know? <laughs> yeah. And some days... Some days I'm not so sure. I mean, I have a uh, one of those fish emblems on the back of my van, and once in a while, I drive in such a way that I wish I didn't have a fish emblem on the back of my van. I lose my temper once in a while on the road, and I will, you know, I haven't raised the flag in a long time, but I've done it, you know, <laughs> and I have said bad words in in the driver's cockpit while I'm driving, you know, at various things, lost my temper. Um, I guess uh I don't know. I <laughs> I I I just I was going to say some outward things like I pray and I read the Bible and I go to church and stuff but I think the real difference that the real significant thing is inward, you know. I'm I'm put together differently now. That idea of new creation I think is really true. I don't think about this very much but you know, I'm motivated in a different way. I think about my life in a different way. If somebody says, oh, be careful on the road, you might get killed, I think, oh, that'd be too bad, then I'd go to heaven, you know. It's it's my automatic thought. Best day ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, that's very different. Uh, it, I always say, you know, it really, really changes how you live when you find out you're not really going to die. Because back when death was the end, I really needed to have all the fun I could possibly have because you get one spin and that's it. And so if you're in my way and you are keeping me from having my fun, 
I'm going to be as nice as I can about it, but sooner or later I'm going to kick you to the curb so you don't keep me from getting what I want because I only get one spin. And that's, that's a big mm-hmm. difference, you know. It's, it's inward, really, you know. I probably look a lot like I used to look, and hopefully, hopefully I don't cuss as much, you know. <laughs> I still do once in a while. Some mm-hmm. of that old language is still inside me. It'll come out once in a while. Um, but, I mean, I get tremendous amount of joy writing and singing these songs, you know. And I, this stuff wouldn't have mattered a bit to me in the old days, you know. I guess I'm starting to talk about outward stuff again, but <laughs> I don't know. It's more about who I am than what I do, even though what I do is very different. But it's, it's what it's like inside. There's a peace, you know. I mean, I'm not always peaceful, but I can get there. There's a baseline I can get to, you know. When, when things are wrong, I know it and I'm upset and I reach out to people for help and I pray and I read the Bible and all of that and I get better, I feel better just because, you know, it really is okay. Jesus said, what are you afraid of? Why are you afraid? Don't be afraid. There, we have nothing to fear, really. Even death, and death's the big one and we aren't afraid of that, so, right. you know? Yeah. That's different. <laughs> to me what are your uh what are your spiritual habits for lack of a better term what so like bible study prayer habits what do they look like i mean, so i'm interested in asking because as a lifelong christian uh, we we constantly fight that battle of you know like falling not falling off the horse but falling off the wagon but just like if you've always been doing it is it really that important and so i'm curious as someone who from a significant portion of your life didn't know Christ and didn't know the peace that he brings, how does that affect your Bible study? Well, um, I, uh, I get those, uh, you know, devotions every morning, you know, in my email and I don't always read them. Uh, I keep them in a file. I never throw them away. I never trash them, but I, I keep them and sometimes I read them, but a lot of times when I'm driving, I'll just realize that I really need to calm on down. And the nice thing about it is you can click on a link and listen. Mm-hmm. on your headset you don't have to try to read while you're driving right yeah so i'll listen to like you know maybe an hour's worth of those things they're only four minutes long i'll listen yeah. to a bunch of them uh, my wife and i uh, read one together at night usually before we say good night uh there's that um i spend a lot of time in churches with pastors and <laughs> you know uh i would i wouldn't say that i have a daily regular open the bible and read it ritual routine i really i think that would be a good thing i I admire people that do it i don't but uh i often think of things and i'll i use my phone you know i'll start googling i'm looking for that bible passage and then that one will kind of make me think of another one and i'll just start looking around you know yeah well you also have the freedom to do that too like you don't you know what i'm saying yeah is uh like if you if you're if you're working, if you have structured time from six o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night, it's it's a little tougher to yeah. when you think of it. Go look it up. Yeah, too. yeah, I've got a very. That's true. I'm busy, but I but I do have a very fluid schedule. Yeah, you know, if I want to stop and look something up, I can do it, and that's a blessing, really. Cool. Most, most guys can't do that at their work. Yeah, awesome. So you have a, a favorite portion of scripture that you go find yourself going to a lot. Uh, I love, uh, you know, the parables and stuff and studies. I've read, a, I've read a, about a half of a book about the prodigal son and, uh, wrote a song about it. And, uh, 
that that's a that's a song that always makes me cry because that that's my story. I mean, God should hate me. I have taken His gifts and squandered them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was I, I was given you know a gift of musical ability, intelligence. Uh, I'm a good communicator. Uh, I use that to you know influence people. Chased a lot of women. I should have left alone. I was not a good husband. Um, lots of bad things, and and God, you know, I think your gird up also refers to gathering your cloak up. Mm-hmm. That's what the father did. Yeah. He he uh, gathered up his cloak and ran towards me. He yeah. he found me. I didn't find him. He found me. You know, I just I I had gotten to the point where all of that activity that I'd been doing, and even though I was sober, all the money I'd spent on myself, all the trips and clothes and cars and toys and all of that just at the end it was nothing it was meaningless as the teacher says you know and i i just wanted to die i just i just i didn't see any reason to go on i i I was thinking about suicide you know and look what happened you know yeah and that day i became a believer i felt this weight come off my back almost physically it was i almost felt like i was lighter than i i think it's gonna come off the ground or something (laughs) That, that burden had left me you know uh just talking about the prodigal son. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, God didn't just say, okay, you can come in, you know. <laughs> he threw a party. Yeah. And that was a party. That day that Pastor Oldfield and I, we, we realized that we both believed the same things. And there was tears, there was joy, there was prayers. We might have even sung a hymn together. I don't know. Just an amazing, mind-blowing day. Yeah. And I couldn't get enough of church. I mean, at that point... I, I told him, I said, we are not meeting often enough. We should not meet just once a week. We need to get together a whole lot more than that. you know. <laughs> and I started going to every single possible church function I could find. There was even a woman's Bible study. And I had a friend who was going to that, you know, and a uh, wife of one of my buddies. And I said, can I go to this Bible study? And she said, you know, the only way you can actually go to this Bible study is if you lead it. And I've been a believer for like three weeks or something. You know, <laughs> she said you can come if you if you want to be the teacher. You know, and I'll show you how to do it. You know? So I did. That's yeah. awesome. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah, that's that's a that is. Oh man, talk about a thirst. I had a thirst. That's yeah. the word. I could not get enough. I showed up for every possible time. Anytime Christians are going to get together, I wanted to be there. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So we got the two big questions for you. Ask oh, yeah. every guest. Ask every guest. If you could go back and talk to your 18-year-old self for five minutes, what would you tell him? Well, I'm afraid that kid would not listen to me. I, I, I am now the guy that he had great contempt for. Uh, he, well, he thought he was smarter than everybody. An atheist is really a person. They won't admit it, but they really, there is no God because they are God. They're smarter than mm-hmm. you. They know more. And I don't know. Uh, I would tell him I loved him. You know, I'd tell him it's going to be okay. You know, be open-minded. Listen, listen to a preacher. Read the Bible. You know, I don't think he would have done it. That kid, that kid thought he had it going on. Man, he really did. I'm amazed that I'm a believer. I often say, if a guy like me can become a believer, anybody can. I I'm not, I know I'm not the chief of sinners, but I was trying. I was working on it, you know. Yeah. I hated believers. 
I wanted to, I thought they were, I thought they were, I thought they were a parasitical influence on society, you know, honestly, I did, that you're holding everybody back, you know, and, and, a, and a financial leech on the economy, I don't know, terrible. Yeah. And now, now, you know, so God can win any heart. Well, we, we sometimes forget that that God's not God plays a long game too. Yeah, God plays a long game too, and so and He plays an eternal long game. So from creation, God took a look at Chris and said, "You know what? You know what's going to make His story great? Let's start it off like this. <laughs> Let's start it off like this. Yep, that'll be a good one. I know it's true. It yeah. blows my mind. It, it's all isn't mind it blowing. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. Great stuff. All right, last question: What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a Christian man? Or what makes a Christian man? has a lot to do with you know really women you know how i think about women uh i i know a lot of a lot of young women dress in a way that they want to be looked at they want to get i almost feel like when i give in and look uh i i feel a little violated you know i feel like so a lot of times i don't look because uh, i don't want to be violated you know i i don't I don't want to lust after somebody that could be a, my granddaughter's age if I had a granddaughter, you know? I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that guy. Um, has to do with the way I treat my wife, you know? Uh, this, this, uh, this Christian headship thing, that is trippy, you know? It, it is not about, you know, using authority has to be used once in a while, but very, very, very sparingly, and you earn the right to do it, I believe. And I honestly haven't done a good job at it. I, I'm still learning. You know, yeah. I've only been a Christian husband for less than six years. But, uh, you know, my wife wants to respect me, you know, and I need to be a respectable man, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's trippy. I, I'm new at it, you know. I'm new at that part. Um, I don't know. There's there's a difference between boys and girls. You know, to be a, to be a Christian man, I need a hero. Jesus is my hero. You know, Jesus is the star of my show. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to meet him. I don't know what I'm going to do. As the song goes, maybe I'll just fall on my face when I see him. But I think he's gonna he's gonna reach out his arms. You know. I love that picture of the man who's. I don't know, slumped or passed out or maybe dead, but Jesus has him around behind, and the man is holding a big old hammer in one hand and a big spike in the other. I'm the man that drove the spikes. I did it, and Jesus loves me anyway. You know, that's a hero. There's no heroes like Jesus anywhere, and a man needs a hero, and Jesus is my hero. You know, I love him. I worship him. I want to be like him. I know he's with me, and he's watching me. That's scary sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that he hangs in there, too. He hangs in. He sees us at our worst, and he hangs in there. He's never, not chasing never, him away. Never, never lets me go, you know. Yeah. I can I can move away. I can jump out of his hand, but he'll never throw me away. Uh-huh. I say forgive me a lot. <laughs> I say it a lot. As we all should. Yeah. As <laughs> we all should. I, I, I say forgive me when I realize I just had a nasty thought, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. As a professional musician, yeah, and uh, as a man of God now, what uh, 
what this is my last question. What uh, what music do you like to listen to now? When you turn on music in your car, what are you listening to? Mm. Old rock and roll. Old rock and yeah, roll. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Beatles. I love the Beatles. Love the Beach Boys. Uh, a lot of my music sounds kind of like that, you know. I'm not crazy about... Usually I'm very critical of contemporary Christian music. Uh, it seems like all the guys all sing alike, you know. They have that kind of threat husky kind of breathy voice you know yeah oh god when i see you you know yeah and i don't know i i, I, I come on just i agree with you sing normally will you man you know just just use your voice you know mm-hmm. and i try to do that i try to sound like myself not somebody else you know yeah that's not your question music <laughs> yeah. I, like. I don't know i like I, this this is terrible. I like a lot of my own stuff. I listen to it once in a while. <laughs> hey, you, I as people catch me every once in a while listening to this, and I go, "Hey, it's quality control. I gotta listen to myself every once in a while." I like to relive these conversations. These are fun. This uh, new CD of hymns I've got. I love listening to it. You know, it's called Hymns with Friends, and there's a bunch of people singing with me on it and playing music on it, and it just came out wonderful. And I'm I'm not really listening to myself sing. I'm I'm listening to my backup singers. The music being played, it's awesome, you know. Well, and what a gift to be able to make music that you like too. Yeah, yeah. Like if you don't something. want to listen to it, who who does? Hello. You know? Yeah. There you go. Awesome. All right. Well, Chris is not with us in um, in Wisconsin anymore. But when are you going to be back? Well, I usually get up here at least two times a year, sometimes three. This year I was up here three times. Okay. So if you want to hear from Chris. Where can we find some information on Chris Dreisbach? Well, I'm not on Facebook, but my website is there. If you just Google me, Chris Dreisbach, uh, it's spelled D-R-I-E-S-B-A-C-H. We spell it wrong. <laughs> the way we spell it, you should pronounce it Dreisbach. But we spell it wrong, but we say it right. So it's Dreisbach spelled go. wrong, I-E-S. All right. And if somebody wants to reach out to you personally, is there a way they can do that? Or? Yeah, my phone number is on my website, and okay. my email address is on my website, and my email address is on my CDs. And awesome. I'm not hard to find. Yeah. So obviously, if somebody's looking to have you perform or to, to book you, uh, they should get a hold of you. What if somebody just uh, feels a connection to you, uh, likes hearing your story, maybe has has a similar story Are you comfortable uh, sure they reach out to you too yeah love love to hear from you my email address is hi chris d at gmail.com beautiful <laughs> beautiful hi chris d hi chris d at gmail.com yeah. there you go that is the king of great generic email right there that's my favorite one <laughs> thanks it's my favorite email right there all right all right well thank you for being with us uh hope you enjoyed your day off here yeah. um and be safe on your drive back home. I know you're not afraid to die, but we all hope you stick around for a while longer. So uh, be safe charge. on the roads. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Charlie. Awesome. God bless you. God bless your ministry. You Have too, a good brother. one. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can find more episodes like this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, and Pippa. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Time to Gird Up. You can find us on Facebook at The Gird Up Podcast. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at Coach Ungemach, that's U N G E M A C H, at gmail.com. Please leave a five star rating and review on this podcast on iTunes. The more four- and five-star ratings we receive, the more people we will reach on iTunes because iTunes will boost us more.
Thank you to Seth Palmeyer for our podcast art. And thank you to you, the listener, because without you, this podcast would not be possible. So with that, I encourage you to go out, man up, gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Have a good one.